Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Fast swing on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern! Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Chadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. We got Mike Anthony of the Statesboro Herald with us today. We're going to break down the 38-33 loss at Arkansas State. Um, we will talk about all aspects of the game, uh, what happened during it, what happened after it, um, and how Georgia Southern kind of moves forward into Georgia State, which is always, you know, a critical game for the Eagles. But this year, um, even more so because Georgia State um, comes in with a better record than Georgia Southern. Uh, No one expected that. I certainly didn't. Um, I know Mike Anthony did not. Um, We will also talk about updated injuries for the season finale. We will have the Panthers radio voice Dave Cohen on at the end of the episode. He'll help us scout the Panthers and sort of preview Georgia State and Georgia Southern and also look at, um, you know, big picture stuff with the rivalry, how he sees it moving forward on the gridiron. Uh, But first, I need to kind of address the elephant in the room. Um, You know, everyone who's listening to this probably saw the tweet that I sent during the game when Georgia Southern fell behind 35-10 to 10 in the first half at Arkansas State. If you didn't see it, you saw it when Coach Lunsford responded to it after the game, essentially saying, uh, you know, not, not directly this, but essentially saying, I can take criticism of me, but don't criticize the players. And, you know, I get that sentiment. I, I do want to address it because I feel like it would be kind of, uh, you know, not really genuine to just move on past it and not address it. Uh, I shouldn't have used the word quit because I don't think the Georgia Southern players did quit in the first half. And for that, you know, I I really am. I regret saying quit. I regret using that word because that's not what I meant. Um, You know, I I certainly can't tell if players quit or don't quit um, on any given play, uh, especially from, you know, watching it on a screen. What I did mean to say was that Clearly, something had gone really, really wrong when you give up four touchdowns in six plays, when you fall down 25 points in the first half. And so I could have figured out probably a million different ways to say it. Unfortunately, I chose the one word that I didn't mean. You know, I didn't think they quit, and I used that word anyway. And I regret it because, obviously, the backlash... uh, from that kind of made it more about me than it ever should have been. Uh, I definitely don't want to be any sort of vocal point for the team. I definitely don't want to be discussed in press conferences, that's for sure. Um, I I think, you know, the gist of it is that I, I don't think that Chad Lunsford defending his players is bad. I don't blame him. I would actually have been surprised if he didn't do that. Um, But, you know, what I wasn't doing was questioning the will of players uh, on Georgia Southern's team. Um, And unfortunately, when I said the word quit, I think that's what it made it sound like. So, uh, Mike, I'll let you kind of first introduce yourself and jump on and react to that if you'd like to. Um, I'd also like to know how you think the Phillies will respond to the Braves signing perennial all-star Travis Darno. Uh, well, first off, I think the Phillies originally drafted Darno, didn't they? I don't know. I'm they just traded kidding. him. Uh, he was uh, he was in their farm system for the Halliday trade uh, way back in the day. But, uh, yeah, no, but to your main point, um, I think you said all that needs to be said about it. I think that exactly what you just said here is about right. You know, you, you quite frankly, I would say crossed the line, you know, and that line was just the one word that you used and, you know, everybody's going to get over it, and it's not like they're not going to show up and play the next game and play it hard, and there's nothing you can do about uh, what, what you said. And, you know, if people want to keep harping on it, then that's on them. I'm sure that, uh, you know, they might have been mad in the moment, but I'm sure that the team is not thinking about you or your tweet right now. If they were, that would be irresponsible of them. And I think uh, Lunsford addressed it, and 
I, I don't know if he had to not question his motives, but he definitely had uh, uh, dozens, if not hundreds of people that were willing to fight that battle for him uh, during and after the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you probably learned your lesson, but I would also say to everybody out there who wanted to chime in on the fight, I was in a room with people watching that game. There was nothing uh, uh, that you tweeted that was uh, any worse or better than anything that was audibly said in a room that included me and may or not have come from me. I just didn't tweet it. Yeah, and you know, just to be clear, I, I think the idea that um, assessing and criticizing poor play from high-level Division One football players is somehow um, out of line is absurd, and I don't, I, I don't want that to be what I'm saying, because that's not what I'm saying. Well, I think, I think that's the, the crux of it is nobody's going to, uh, uh, you know, really get on. Some people I'm sure would get mad at you if you heavily criticize their team, but no one's going to say that you're abjectly and maybe morally wrong for criticizing the actual play on the field. It's just that one little word, especially for athletes, it really strikes a chord and it's their home chord. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I get that because, you know, if you're on the field and like Lunsford said, if you're working all that time, you don't want someone to say that you quit. And I understand that. I regret it. And I apologize for it for sure. Um, and, you know, and again, I, I definitely don't want to be any kind of, you know, story that, that, that a social media question uh, is brought up 48 hours later. So you good with leaving that right there, Mike? I mean, I'm good. To your, to your fight. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Thanks for that. It's your fight. I'm just, uh, I'm just sitting in front of the Twitter machine with my popcorn. Yeah, you're just commenting on it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'll let you start, Mike. What did you think of Georgia Southern falling down 35-10, to 21-3 uh, in the first half? Two different large deficits and then basically reversing course entirely and dominating large portions of that game. Uh, I thought I had seen every kind of weird game imaginable this season that was really really wild I, I don't know which was more surprising Arkansas State getting up by that much or how dominant Georgia Southern looked in stretches and and still lost what'd you make of it yeah um you know the the big early deficit was similar to the Troy game I guess but I don't think it was anywhere uh near the same type of game and how it played out uh, with Troy it looked like they just had everything schemed it was really calculated they just worked their way up and down the field, you know, five yards here, seven yards there. Whereas with Arkansas State, I kind of got the impression that uh, Georgia Southern might have thought, hey, freshman quarterback, they might not try to do too much against what's been a pretty good Georgia Southern defense. Instead, Arkansas State looked uh, to either side of uh, their line of scrimmage and saw, hey, we've got three of the faster wide receivers in the entire conference. Let's just put it up there and see what they can do. And for a stretch, like you said, of about six straight plays, that's exactly what they, what they did. And Georgia Southern just didn't have an answer. I yeah, mean, as so far as getting back into the, as far as getting back into the game, obviously they fixed something. They were able to put a lid on the top of the defense. And then the offense, I think, you know, we've been discussing it the last couple of weeks. They're they're really just putting it together with uh, duct tape and push pins on the offensive line. And you can't really expect a huge explosive day out of the offense. But they were able to do as much as you possibly could do especially when they once again had to uh, turn to the air, which you got to give Shy Words credit. That's a couple of games where they come up short on a comeback, but he's looked pretty good when they've been forced to go through the air, usually when teams know Georgia Southern's passions when they get in trouble. Yeah, and another week, uh, another game where Shy Words just looks incredible. I mean, wasn't, Mike, didn't you think that probably for 99% of that game uh, – he is limping, maybe not limping, but just visibly uh, strong. I mean, he he was just a kind of a shell of himself and still managed to produce in just about every way imaginable. And after the game, uh, I know when Russ Brown asked him how he was feeling, Shai's usually, you know, maybe not the most forthcoming in those departments. He's almost always, you know, doing fine or or doing well or something, but he was like, you know, he said, I'm going through it. I think that was the exact quote he used. I'm going through it right now. Um, and that's kind of how it was. It reminded me last year, Mike, of the Texas State game where Wurtz was just so used in the game. I mean, it's like every play, even when he's handing it off or 
passing it, it just seems like he was taking some sort of shot. Uh, how impressed were you with Wirtz? And I think it's pretty clear now, if it wasn't before, that he can handle at least a, a, you know, a decent-sized workload in the passing game. Uh, it used to be where we were thinking that Wirtz was only, you know, I guess ideally used sparingly in the passing game. Uh, I, I'm comfortable now with him having 20 attempts if needed. Obviously, that's not ideal for Georgia Southern. What would you think of Wirtz, Mike? Yeah, I think uh, as far as him being banged up and limping around, I think you have to file that one under, you know, they've played 11 games in a season, and uh, especially when you're a quarterback in a run-first uh, option attack, you know, you're going to take more shots than anybody else on the team. And, you know, not to drag us back into the uh, first point made on this podcast, but, you know, you want to talk about the Eagles not giving up. That's the guy you look to right there. You know, if anybody's going to take offense, it would be him because he kind of single-handedly kept him in that game, you know, not only physically, but mentally. You can tell that everybody's looking to him. And when they see him limping around but continuing to make plays and gain yards, I think that's where a lot of the momentum came from. You know, I said it last year, and I think it holds true again this year. They might have a little bit better option at backup quarterback this season, but this team, uh, you said he looked like he might have been a shell of himself at some points, but this team would be a shell of itself without number one behind center. Yeah, and just to be clear, Mike, I was saying that he took so many shots in that game early and big ones in the first probably six to seven ones. <laughs> yeah, and late ones too, and late ones too. I mean, that's something we can touch on later. I think other outlets have extensively covered um, the refereeing uh, portion of that game or lack thereof. Uh, Mike, I think that one of the the biggest plays of the game um, especially looking back, it's easy to kind of think that one play is bigger than it really is during the game. But when you look back, there actually are, you know, pivot points of the game, if you will. And I think Caleb Hood's pass, uh, and I put pass in quotes there, uh, to Shy Wirtz on the Philly special attempt from Georgia Southern on fourth and goal. Yeah, it was a silly special is what it was. I think... That, Mike, looking back, that kind of was a turning point. You hate to say that, uh, you know, a slot receiver throwing to a quarterback is a gimme. That was about as close as it gets to a gimme, yeah? Yeah, I, I think that was uh, uh, just one where you were so wide open, they kind of threw off the uh, the guy trying to throw the ball, and that's bad enough when you're a quarterback. It's especially bad when you're a skill player who's only executed it in practice. And I think you just tried to float it a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you just step into it and throw, it's probably easy, uh, easy pitch and catch. But one of those where it would have been better just not to think. And instead, you might have thought that one through a little too much. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Mike, isn't Caleb Hood uh, considered the quote unquote emergency quarterback? I mean, he definitely has taken snaps of practice. I don't think they ever intended on using him in a game, but for I've sure. seen him run for through sure. uh, some, some read option of practice. Yeah. Um, Mike, did you think that... Huh. I'm trying to figure out how I can phrase this. Uh, I'll just leave this one open-ended for you. I, I think, did you think that there was a halftime adjustment made by Georgia Southern, or was there a halftime uh, stern talking to to the Georgia Southern players? I, I think that uh, probably the defense got a stern talking to, and obviously some adjustments had to be made for them to go from giving up 35 points in about, oh, I don't know, seven minutes of game time to uh, – only allowing a field goal the rest of the way. Uh, as for the offense, I think that, you know, it, it mostly was working. It had to work a little bit better, but I think they mostly stuck to the game plan with a, a little bit more passing. It's just that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little easier to watch the offense and appreciate it when you aren't worried about one strike passing plays going over the top and extending that deficit even more. So I think once the defense kind of got its breath and, calmed everything down a little bit the offense could see hey we're going to have a chance to get back into this game they're not going to give up much more so let's do our part and go to work and to their credit they did they just they ran out of time I think you put 10 more minutes on the clock even five more minutes on the clock that might be a, a different outcome in the game yeah put one less link in the uh in the 10 yard chain as well um Mike I guess you know sticking with the big plays theme uh, what happened on the kickoff return for a touchdown? You had talked about it, I think it was last week, might have been two weeks ago. Uh, we've noticed that, well, first off, Tyler Bass can kick the ball out of the back of the end zone whenever he wants, correct? Uh, I would I would say so. Okay, so, and we've noticed of late that 
there seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, or if you disagree, do you, hasn't Georgia Southern kind of been getting a little cheeky in that department, trying to either kick it, you know, high with a lot of hang time and let it, let the receiver catch it or the returner catch it on the one, or, you know, almost in an attempt to try to bait them in some way, because they're, when Tyler Bass is not kicking a touchback, I cannot imagine that it's a, you know, a miss kick for a guy as good as he is. There was uh, a kick three weeks ago, um, after, or I'm sorry, against Troy, where the ball was kicked out of bounds on a kickoff. Uh, this time it finally kind of came back to bite him. Um, wh- what did you see on that? I, I know, you know, it was a huge play in the game. It might have been the biggest play of the game. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about the, the failed trick play. For my money, uh, the kickoff return was, uh, the biggest uh, detriment to the Eagles in that game. They had kind of got the momentum back. They went on a nice long drive. Shy gets in with the touchdown. And then 15 seconds later, you're right back to being down by, I think it was three scores. It was, uh, I believe, 28-10 at that point. So, uh, yeah, as far as the strategy on the kickoff goes, I'm not quite sure. I'm not in the huddle. I know it's turned into a cat and mouse game with, uh, you know, I'm sure they might have noticed that some teams – try to return it more often than others who, if you pooch it up in the air to try to cough and corner them, they'll just take the the fair catch and move it out like a touchback. And uh, maybe they thought that Arkansas State would uh, try to return more, and they did, and there's a reason why. Because as I mentioned before, they've got some of the fastest receivers in the in the league, and those guys are on kickoff return too. And I think the Eagles m- might have just tried to gamble, saying we know they're going to try to uh, return this. We think we can bottle them in, but they didn't. Uh, broke it right across the field through a seam and no one was going to catch him once he got that daylight in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're trying to do that, Mike, it seems like you could pick a better person to maybe test than Kirk Merritt. I I just don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe try to test him with a lead instead of when you've just gotten yourself back into the game a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Mike, we thought before that kickoff, uh, or, you know, I thought before that kickoff that, Georgia Southern was A-OK, honestly. I mean, looking back, they weren't. But I, I thought at that point in time, Georgia Southern still had plenty of opportunity. Uh, obviously, there were, you know, there's tons of time left. But it just happened so instantly, and you had just worked relatively hard to get those seven points. And for them to just disappear that quickly was, uh, you know, gut-wrenching. Was Kirk Merritt even touched on that play? Uh, he might have got a hand on him, but definitely was never in danger of being taken down. Yeah, and you know that it's not a flaw on Georgia Southern's part. Kickoff uh, coverage has been, you know, the opposite of a flaw for Georgia Southern for a large, large portion of the season. Uh, now, in the last two weeks, uh, it's well, really the last three weeks, it's been not that great. They've fallen to sixth in the Sun Belt in kickoff coverage. And to your point about, you know, the thinking that the Eagles were in good shape after that touchdown drive, that's kind of the angle I've been pressing for the last couple of weeks is, you know, the offense and defense, while (laughs) there are certain fans uh, who will get on one side or the other for not living up to expectations, I think that singularly both of them have been not great but not terrible either. It's just that they haven't worked together well, and you've got a defense that kind of bends and doesn't break, and then an offense that – uh you know, could be more explosive, but instead it's having too many three and outs, thereby forcing the defense into more plays and getting them tired. You know, there you finally had the offense doing what it's supposed to do. It grinds out yards, it takes up time, it moves the chains, it gets the defense rested to where they can really perform and that bend don't break. But then you go ahead and give up a kickoff return or you give up a couple of deep balls right over the middle that's uncharacteristic of, you know, what that defense is supposed to be about. And so you just, you know, it's one step forward, two steps back. As soon as one unit started performing the way they were supposed to, the other one kind of uh, dropped the ball on a few. Yeah, and, you know, for what it's worth in the second quarter, what you had was Georgia Southern uh, time of possession. This is really insane, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Time of possession, Georgia Southern, 12, 12 minutes, 59 seconds. Arkansas State, two minutes and one second. Uh, in 121 seconds, Arkansas State scored 21 points. Uh, that is, yeah, that's pretty wild. Georgia Southern in the second quarter, four penalties um, for 37 yards. And 
Arkansas State never faced a third down, scoring 21 points in, in that quarter. Uh, they had one rush, one rushing yard, 91 passing yards, so 92 total yards to score 21 points. Uh, yeah, that's definitely efficient. Uh, Mike, a few other guys for me. Well, you know, before we get into any of these guys and kind of start to wrap up, did you did you think anything on either side of the ball, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Mike, that we need to address as far as Bob DeBest and Scott Sloan go? I mean, other than just pointing out the, the plays that really broke bad for Georgia Southern, otherwise, I think it was a pretty well-called game, a pretty well-executed game. Um, you know, there's just only so many things that you can do down 25 points in the second quarter about the only good thing you could say about that is that at least they did it in the second quarter gave themselves time to to potentially have a comeback and then almost went ahead and did it yeah but mike so before we start like if you're down 25 points don't you have to ask how you got down 25 points i mean not not how they adjusted after getting down 25 points absolutely i mean i think that especially when it happened the way it did the kickoff return aside the other three touchdowns involved in that or three of the touchdowns involved in that, obviously it wasn't the exact same play, but it definitely uh, uh, played out about the exact same way. Just guys running unchecked across the line through a zone, splitting some safeties and no one getting far enough back to do anything about it. So yeah, when you watch, when you watch three plays that look so similar, all work the same way for big plays, you really have to think, you know, what are we doing? Cause you know, somebody else is going to try that down the line. Right. And so that, you know, not to kind of rationalize it, but that's, where my thinking was, I, I just, I guess I've never gone, when I see stuff like that, I've never gone, you know, my, my thinking never goes to the coaches. I always think, it, you know, if a guy is running past another guy, uh, certainly I'll blame the slower guy and not the guy that taught him how to run. You know, you know what I mean? Doesn't that make sense to kind of wonder how you're getting beaten so bad just one-on-one across the board? Uh, one play or two plays might be coaching, but at some point it's like, you know, for the offensive line, it's uh, we have a lot of injuries. We have guys that were former walk-ons. We have scout team uh, and that kind of talk. But uh, at other spots, that is not the case. You have really, really talented guys and guys that have made a bunch of plays, and they make a lot of plays this year. There just seems to be those gaps, those kind of, real-time 45 minute to an hour where Georgia Southern, uh, you know, just for whatever reason, isn't playing well at all. Uh, but they're good enough, I think, to make up for that, and they've made up for that several times. I thought in Coastal Carolina game they made up for it. In the main game they didn't play great and and won relatively handily. Uh, I, I don't know, Mike. It just seems like it's inconsistency, but it's inconsistency from one moment to the next moment, not even just from one game to the next. Yeah, and I mean, you just mentioned inconsistency, and that's what I wrote about uh, in my column this week, shameless plug, statesboroughherald.com. Uh, but that, that's the, that's been the separating point for Georgia Southern this year is they're just not consistent. I mean, everybody watched them absolutely take it to uh, the number of whatever they are now, 25 team in the college football playoff, Appalachian State. And they're, by consensus, the, the top team in the Sun Belt. They were favored to win it this year. They're going to get a chance to do it again in a couple of weeks. And you can't tell me that the weather had that much to do with it. That was a team that showed up to play, and Georgia Southern just beat them. And granted, they made it a little close at the end, but you can't tell me that Georgia Southern doesn't have every bit as much talent as Appalachian State, as Arkansas State, as Troy. But the the difference between those teams, you know, you look at Louisiana, who's going to play for the title again, doing exactly what Georgia Southern wants to do and running for 350 yards and four touchdowns a game. The difference is consistency. You know, App State, they didn't really play a bad game against Georgia Southern. They didn't turn the ball over at all. Georgia Southern just beat them. And in every other game, they haven't beaten themselves. They haven't gotten behind. They haven't made, uh, they haven't committed turnovers. They haven't made uh, costly penalties or, uh, you know, negative plays when uh, they're driving and they need points. They, they always seem to get that third down where Georgia Southern doesn't always get it. To me, that's the difference. You, if you line them up and don't put their uniforms on, Georgia Southern looks just as impressive. If you just have them running around in T-shirts and shorts on a field, you probably couldn't distinguish one team from another. That's the level of talent that Georgia Southern has, but they don't have the level of consistency that those teams who have been at the top the last couple of years have showcased. Right, yeah, and, and I think that maybe next year we see that kind of the, 
I guess, the growth in that consistency department. For as veteran as this team is, uh, you know, having a lot of experience, I think of guys like Rashad Bird, uh, even Wirtz, um, you know, other younger guys uh, have played a lot, but they're, not, they're still most of the contributors on this team are not seniors. Um, and so I, I think maybe that's the last step. Yeah, but I mean, I think maybe that's the last step in kind of this junior class is really incredible when you start listing them down the roster, Mike. I think next year, if, if the same problem exists next year, something is really wrong, uh, you know, philosophically, I guess, because you'll have a bunch of seniors contributing on both sides of the ball. I would agree. Yeah. And not only seniors, but seniors who have been through it, seniors who are part of a 2-10 and 10 team, and then as sophomores turn it into a, a 10-3 and three team. So, yeah, the, the, veterans, the veteran leadership is going to be there. The experience is going to be there. I would have to think, knock on wood, that they can't possibly be bitten harder by an injury bug next year than they are this year. So I guess good things to look forward to, but you know they got to keep it in their minds that a they're good enough to play with anybody, and b they're uh, you know inconsistent enough to struggle with absolutely anybody. And that's the one thing that if they just change that one thing, I think you're looking at eight or nine wins right now instead of six. Yeah, and again, I'm just going to constantly remind myself the teams that Georgia Southern has lost to. Um, most you know most of them have been. Uh, there's been something in them that we just really don't like. There's either a, a large deficit early on, uh, a glaring hole um, that hurts you in the game. But, but all of the losses that Georgia Southern has have come against what many would call quality football teams. Uh, Arkansas State has been up and down. Uh, that team is going to go to a bowl game, and I would like Arkansas State against a lot of teams uh, in the group of five. Uh, same goes for Louisiana. Obviously, LSU is a world beater right now. Uh, Minnesota rose its boat. Georgia Southern should have won that game. And P.J. Fleck is not a great coach. Uh, every loss, Mike, has been to quality teams. And so that's something that I think uh, at least provides some sort of silver lining. Uh, Mike, I got a little surprise for you. You ready? What we have now is a uh, first-hand primary source scouting report on the Georgia State Panthers by producer Zach, a graduate of the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. And as we know, the volunteers are extra familiar with the Panthers. Zach, you want to let us know uh, how the Georgia State Panthers operate? Jeremy Pruitt didn't seem to know. Well, Jeremy Pruitt, as the uh, Chattanooga Times Repress said a couple weeks ago, is finally coming into his own as a head coach. So, you know. Yeah, it's a maturation process. It takes it? a while, you know. After you know, you got to figure out how to like use the use the you know the Microsoft Surface Board and what signs you want to use and what I I haven't I've watched two quarters of college football the entire season and it was the last two quarters of the Georgia State Tennessee game. I think we have a quarterback name. Um, it's like Guantanamo, like the prison. It's something like that. Mike, you're good with that, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's something in that realm. He wasn't good. Um, my my assessment of Tennessee is they need to just you know complete passes. That's that's the easy point. Georgia State. Uh, my assessment of their team is their coach. Like I thought he was going to have a heat stroke during that game. I remember that. Yeah, we were in the LSU. We were watching it on the screen, Mike. Uh, and I remember Sean. Is Elliott. he still alive? Like, he, yeah, he okay, is. Cool. I, I forgot all about that. I thought I thought he passed away. I was going to say rest in peace. But, uh, but like uh, I thought there might have been some sort of charity dunk tank on the sideline. Were they raising money for something that game? Uh, maybe you know a better athletics program. <laughs> Ten- Tennessee Tennessee's paying four head coaches at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee's paying four head coaches at the moment. They'll take any money they can get. Mike, you know it's the last game of the season. And you know what that means? No, you can't hold anything back. You can't hold anything back now. Um. Mike, let's do one Thanksgiving thing because we're we are uh, we are you know obviously in the holiday season with Thanksgiving around the corner on Thursday. Uh, I, I wanted to do something a little different, and instead of um, asking you uh, how you feel about Thanksgiving foods and what's your favorite and and you know most most hated Thanksgiving food is, I'm going to ask you about some Thanksgiving guys uh, and. I will start by saying that my biggest pet peeve around the holidays is um, unbuttons his pants after the meal guy. Uh, 
this guy typically wears uh, jeans uh, with tennis shoes with no socks. The jeans are likely tucked into the tennis shoes at the bottom. And he is constantly uh, sitting up in the recliner, going back in the recliner. But no matter what he's doing, the pants are unbuttoned after he's eaten. We don't like that guy. Yeah, that's not a good guy. I will say that that guy, though, does tend to usually make a lot of the food. So he does have that going for him. Yeah, and he'll tell you about it probably 10 or 12 times. True. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, for my money, the worst guy of all is guy who tells you how to cook turkey. Like, I'm oh, sure man. he's related to guy who stands over your shoulder while you're grilling hamburgers, guy. They've got to be related. Oh, this is the worst guys. Uh, uh, or guy who tells you how to carve the turkey, guy. You got creepy uncle guy. He's, act- he's of course, not anybody's uncle at the actual family dinner. But, uh, you know, he is Uncle Jim or uh, Uncle Ricky. You got any creepy uncle guys? Yeah, those are the worst. Those are the worst guys. I, I never have experienced. I've been the creepy uncle guy, but I've never uh, had the uh, other hand experience of it. A couple times in college, I couldn't make it back to the house. So I got invited to a, a family dinner. I was on my best behavior and probably wasn't of legal age to, to be creepy drunkle guy. But I have been stranger that nobody knows that Thanksgiving guy. I think I handled it as well as I could have. Damn, that was so that was you in the corner of my dining room last year. Probably. Uh, Mike, if someone were to ask you how to read your stuff or follow you online, what would you tell them? Uh, you can read me on the uh, at the statesboroughherald.com. Our videos go up. Uh, we should have one up one up here today or tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Harold GS Sports. Awesome. And for us, we have uh, lots of Georgia Southern, Georgia State coverage this week at savannahnow.com slash sports. Go to savannahnow.com homepage um, and kind of towards the middle of the page on the right side, you'll see a spot where you can sign up for free for a lot of different kind of newsletters uh, that we offer here that uh, come to your inbox, quick source of information. Um, And I know you guys are big fans of free. This is free and the Georgia Southern Extra one comes out every Wednesday morning for your inbox. Um, Follow us, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Only rated if you're going five stars, of course. Um, And follow me on Twitter at JadonSportsSMN. Super popular guy right now. Uh, Lots going on on my Twitter. Uh, Even got some Will Shakespeare Shakespeare in, which uh, always makes for a successful week. All right, right now we got Dave Cohen coming up. Dave's going to give you guys a scouting report um, on the Georgia State Panthers from a guy that's seen every play of every Georgia State game this year. Who else? After Georgia Southern takes care of business on Saturday, we will start talking about where Georgia Southern will be playing in its bowl game. Uh, My guess would be Orlando for now, but we will find out uh, in a matter of days, a couple weeks uh, after the Sun Belt conference title game so we'll talk to you guys next week here's my talk with dave cohen the voice of the georgia state panthers all right georgia southern fans we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com we want you guys to check it out it's a newsletter focused on georgia southern athletics and georgia southern athletics only this is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the eagles whether it be on the football field basketball court baseball field or what have you but go join the mailing list for the newsletter and this is how you do it go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click get our newsletters and go from there the newsletter will have a blog post once a week as well as other relevant georgia southern stories opportunities to subscribe to the podcast and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else subscribe today All right, we're joined now by Dave Cohen, the voice of the Georgia State Panthers. We will get a scouting report on the 7-4 Panthers as they enter Paulson Stadium on Saturday for the finale. Uh, uh, a renewal of this rivalry and you know everyone surrounding this game is uh, excited, anxious probably might be a better word for uh, a lot of a lot of the fans and a lot of the people involved in this. So we want to get Dave's perspective on the Panthers prior to the game. So Dave, thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be with you. Yeah. So Dave, if you could kind of for the fans, obviously a lot of Georgia Southern fans aren't watching uh, uh, Georgia State games too often. And if they are, you know, they're 
doing it for uh, the interest of hoping Georgia State loses. But if you could, could you kind of catch us up uh, on Georgia State's season to date and kind of what's gone right for them uh, at the beginning of the year? They made a lot of noise, we know, and, and they've kind of kept it up uh, with seven wins, looking for a school record eighth win. So so what's gone well for the Panthers uh, so far? Well, first of all, let me say when you mentioned that uh, you know fans would be anxious I'm going to guess that they're probably not as anxious as they might be um, had if the situation was that neither of the teams, Georgia State or Georgia Southern, already bowl eligible. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot riding on this ball game because it's because it is Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, and the rivalry certainly has uh, gone to new heights with regards to football being added to the rivalry. Because I mean, I've been around now what 37 years. Um, and so the rivalry goes back to when it was really just men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and uh, some of the other what we'll call minor sports. But football has taken it to uh, to tune to new lengths, and uh, you know, the rivalry got got uh, turned up pretty quickly. If you go back to when Georgia Southern beat Georgia State in the first meeting at the Georgia Dome, uh, 69-31, and then Georgia State came back that next year. Uh, in the final game of the regular season and drilled Georgia Southern at Paulson Stadium, which I believe is still the worst home loss that Georgia Southern has ever suffered on their home field. Yep. So, circling around, I, I, I mean, people are anxious because it's Georgia State, Georgia Southern, but they've got six wins, we've got seven, so both teams are bowl eligible, so uh, that that is taken off the table. For Georgia State, again, as you mentioned, seven and four. You know, nobody really knew quite what to expect coming off a season last year, which was uh, a 2-10 and finish. Uh, personally, I knew that they would be better. Um, but to be honest with you, my preseason prediction was five wins when I looked at the schedule. And then that was blown to smithereens when we came out in Knoxville back on August 31 and really dominated Tennessee at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. I mean, the mm-hmm. final there was 38-30. We beat them really on the uh, – both sides of the football, both offensively and defensively. They scored a touchdown with 10 seconds left, so the score really wasn't even as close as it looks at 38-30. And then Georgia State had an opportunity to kick a field goal late to get it up to 41, and uh, they decided not to kick the field goal. They just ran the clock. So uh, Georgia State really got off to a, a start that no one was expecting. Then they came back and faced a top-20 Furman football team in what turned out to be a shootout, 48-42, Georgia State won it. And all of a sudden, uh, instead of being 1-1, one and one, where a lot of us thought we would be two games in, they were 2-0, and oh, headed to Western Michigan. Western Michigan dropped the hammer on us, 57-10. to 10. And then the one loss that really kind of – and Western Michigan was really, really good that night. They, they just ran all around us uh, in that football game. The one game that I really wish we could have back would be the Texas State game back on September 21. We lost it in triple overtime, 37-34. Uh, bad turnovers, a muff punt that they recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, just just did not play the way we needed to play in order to go in there and get a win. Yet, we should have really left the stadium with a W. We missed two field goals uh, inside of 35 yards in overtime. Um to, to end up losing that football game. But at that point, they were 2-2, two and two, and then they went on a four-game winning streak. They scored 52 to beat Arkansas State. They won a really good ball game on the road at Coastal Carolina, 31-21, where really the defense was the difference in that one. They beat an Army team. Remember Army last year, 11-2, and two, dropped 70 on Houston in the uh, bowl game? Yeah. Army's not quite as good as they were last year, but, of course, we didn't know that. They beat Army at home 28-21, beat Troy by scoring 52, uh, and then they kind of stubbed their toe. They lost at Louisiana Monroe, lost at home to Appalachian State, and then came back and beat uh, South Alabama last week. Uh, And your quarterback, Dan Ellington, who's uh, easily one of the top three quarterbacks in the Sun Belt, um, you know, he tears an ACL at Louisiana Monroe, and we're all assuming that he's not going to play, that he's done for the year. Well, he's played the last two ball games. You know, he played against Appalachian State, really wasn't too effective, but, boy, he was effective uh, in last week's game, the win over South Alabama, 21 of 27 in the air, 208 yards, two touchdowns. And even though he can't really and is not as mobile as he was, he still managed to direct that offense 
uh, and Georgia State won their seventh ball game uh, of the season going into this uh, this last one against Georgia Southern. Dave, I wanted to touch on something. You talked about Georgia State's season last year, um, and obviously this season has gone much better. Are they, in your opinion, is is the roster just filled with better players, or has something uh, you know schematically or philosophically changed in the football building at Georgia State? Well, the answer to that would be yes and yes. Uh, like I said, I knew that, that we would be better. Uh, we had a change at offensive coordinator. Travis Trickett left and uh, took the job, the offensive coordinator job at West Virginia and followed former Troy coach Neil Brown up there to West Virginia. And so uh, Georgia State coach Sean Elliott brought in Brad Glenn. And, uh, you know, obviously the schematic change uh, has really worked. And uh, we interviewed him on one of our Panther Insider podcasts about a month ago. You know, we were asking kind of the same question. Really, what was the difference? The personnel really wasn't that much different. They just really hit it off during the summer. Uh, everybody got, not only did they get along, but uh, they, they worked well together. And uh, it really shows and has showed on the field. Because the personnel, I mean, it's still Dan Ellington, at quarterback. Uh, the running backs are still the same. It's Trey Barnett, it's Seth Page, it's Destin Coates. Right. Um, for the most part, the receivers are all the same. Granted, they are a year older, and we did lose Penny Hart, who was an all-Sun Belt performer. Mm-hmm. The one impact player that I would say that they brought in was the tight end, Aubrey Payne, who's a transfer from Western Carolina. I mean, he's come in, and I think he has 11 or 12 catches. Six of them have been touchdowns. So he has come in and made an impact. Our, our other tight end, Roger Carter, who's coming off a really good game, a career-high seven catches in the South Alabama win, he's kind of also begun to step up his game as the season has gone along. So I think the answer is yes and yes. Um, it really wasn't so much impact players, new impact players coming in, but players who are already here becoming more impact. Trey Barnett would probably be the top of the list. I mean, he's now Georgia State's all-time leading rusher. Um his name is going to be at the top of a number of categories, single-season yards, career yards, um, rushing touchdowns, so on and so forth. So the scheme running behind the offensive line that has performed much better this year has really taken advantage of whatever schematic changes uh, the offensive coordinator, Brad Glenn, brought with him when he took this job. Dave, on Saturday, I'm fascinated. I think it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch Georgia State's uh, – pretty prolific running game versus Georgia Southern's rush defense. I think a lot of the a lot of the games this year for Georgia Southern uh, opposing teams have found it relatively easy to pass against the Eagles and that's led to them kind of abandoning the run game and and with success. I mean, you know, it's not like that has hurt a lot of the opponents that Georgia Southern has played. Do you anticipate um, Georgia State uh, trying to open up a little bit in the passing game considering Georgia Southern struggles in that category or do you or do you anticipate Georgia State taking the rushing game and, and their kind of rushing offense head-to-head with Georgia Southern's rushing defense? Well to be honest with you I think that uh, what Georgia State will try to do uh, is to find a really good balance. Like I said Georgia State's run the football this year better than they've run it in any of the previous nine seasons that they've been playing football which is another point. Remember, this is just the 10th season of Georgia State football. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, you know, Dan Ellington coming off the performance that he had against South Alabama, I talked to him earlier this week uh, on Monday and asked him what was the difference between um, week one after suffering the injury against uh, at Louisiana Monroe and week two getting ready to play what was this past weekend's game against South Alabama. He said they really just kind of settled in. Of course, Appalachian State, as we know, is the best team, along with Louisiana Lafayette in the conference. But Mm -hmm. um, they put Dan in position, obviously knowing that he can't run the ball the way that he was because he was one of the more – he was a lot like Caleb Evans, the quarterback at uh, Louisiana Monroe, and really a lot like Shai Wirtz, except the quarterback at Georgia Southern really is a run-first kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, not really. I mean, Georgia Southern doesn't look to you know to use him to put the ball in the air that much. But they need you know they put Dan in position where uh, you know he could move the ball around in the air and not really have to rely on his mobility and really turn the run game over to Trey Barnett and Destin Coates. 
Um, so I think it's going to be a balance. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, Cornelius McCoy, uh, Devin Gentry, your tight ends, uh, Roger Carter and Aubrey Payne, and then see what you can do uh, with regards to facing that run defense that Georgia Southern's going to throw at us. Trey Barnett is very fast. Uh, I know Georgia Southern's got some, obviously, you know, Wesley Kennedy, some uh, first name that comes to mind, some, some pretty good running backs. But Trey Barnett, Destin Coates have been really good for us this year. Um, and, you know, they get a lot of the kudos, but a lot of the kudos uh, credit, too, goes to the work that the offensive line has done this year. But to answer your question in one sentence, I think that what they're going to try to do is find the balance of run and pass because they can use Dan to move the football in the air and not worry about having to need him to rush the football like they have, you know, in the early part of the season. All right, defensively, Dave, for Georgia State, uh, I guess I'll leave this one kind of simple and open-ended for you. Uh, the option offense of Georgia Southern, you know, Georgia State fans and those within the program uh, will be very familiar with the option. You know, it's not going to catch them by surprise. Is there anything this year that you anticipate uh, Georgia State doing differently uh, against this option offense, or are they just going to, um, you know, try to line up theirs against Georgia Southerns? Yeah, I don't know that they're going to try to do anything different. Uh, obviously, we faced it at least once a year. Remember, we faced it earlier this year uh, at home uh, back on October 19th against Army. That's right. And uh, defensively played pretty well uh, against them, holding them to, uh, you know, 21 points. Again, Army's not the same team that they were last year, even though a lot of the personnel is. Um, so it, it's not like anything about it is going to be a surprise. Again, Georgia State, Georgia Southern play one another, you know, every year. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Georgia State is, as Georgia Southern is, watching film. Uh, it's really more about assignment football. Uh, when it comes down to having to defend the triple option. Um, I'm sure they're watching a lot of film, um, you know, of, of Georgia Southern uh, and, and of the game that, uh, you know, that, that we played last year at uh, Georgia State Stadium. Uh, the one thing I wish is that I really wish that Georgia State was going into this ball game uh, a little healthier on the defensive side than they've been. They've lost two of their team captains to uh, season-ending injuries, Ed Kearney and Remy Lazarus. Um, I really wish we had those two, but, uh, you know, such is the case. They're going to have to go in this ball game with the personnel that they've got. And, um, you know, again, to beat Georgia Southern on the road, Paulson Stadium, they're going to have to kind of rise to the occasion and play a little bit better defensively they ha- that they've, than they've had uh, in, in some of the games that they've been in. Even some of the games that they've won this year, uh, they've still managed to give up, you know, too many points, in my opinion. Yeah. Again, they beat Furman 48-42. They beat Arkansas State 52, but gave up 38. You know, they beat Troy scoring 52, but they gave up 33. Gave up 45 and a loss to ULM. Gave up 57 to Appalachian State. So you kind of see the pattern there. They played well against South Alabama, but there's a reason why South Alabama's 1-10 on the year. Hmm. Um, so in Georgia Southern is not South Alabama. So defensively, they're going to have to play a little bit better uh, and really concentrate and focus and play assignment football in order to slow Georgia Southern down. The one time that I've seen Georgia Southern recently was that big win they had on the road at Appalachian State. And I remember telling somebody the next day who also saw the game, I said, that is quintessential Georgia Southern football. That is what they do. That has been the backbone of the success of that program going all the way back to when they resurrected it back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And when they went up there and beat Appalachian State, that was – vintage Georgia Southern football, at least offensively. And um, so I'm, a, I'm expecting that that's what we're going to see on, on Saturday there in Statesboro. Okay, Dave, one more, one more question and we'll, and we'll let you get out of here. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. Um, on Monday, I asked Coach Elliott and Coach Lunsford uh, kind of the same question that I'll ask you. Big picture with this rivalry um, and specifically talking about football. Uh, kind of, if you could look into the future a little bit, what are some changes uh, that maybe you would like to see um, happen in this rivalry? I, I talked to both of the coaches about, um, you know, the date of the game uh, being the finale around Thanksgiving weekend. Um, obviously, right now they're you know they're alternating venues, home and home. Um, you know, I don't envision a neutral site game for this series anytime in the in the near future, but specifically the date of this game um, and when it's played, 
uh, on Thanksgiving with students being out. That's been kind of a talking point these last two years um, at Georgia State last year and then this year in Statesboro. Do you kind of hope to see any changes to this rivalry, especially uh, around the date that it's played on? Well, yeah, to answer your question, it, it, it really is unfortunate that the game falls. On one hand, you like it to be the last game of the season because if both teams are doing well, like, like they are this year, for the most part, both teams are playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we've got seven wins. They've got six. Both teams are bowl eligible. Then there's kind of a buildup throughout the season, always knowing that for Georgia State, Georgia Southern is looming. And for Georgia Southern, knowing that Georgia State is looming at the end of the year. Um, but to the contrary, as you mentioned, the fact that it falls on Thanksgiving weekend when students are not on campus at Georgia Southern, as far as I know, they're not on campus at Georgia State. Um, if the game was here this year, we would struggle to get a crowd, and we'll see what kind of a crowd they get in Statesboro. But I, it would be ideal to move it to a date that would be, um, you know, that would give it the best opportunity uh, to have the best crowd because it's right. too good of a game. It's too good of a rivalry. Uh, and it's really their biggest rival game, and it's our biggest rival game, and you hate to play it when there's not a decent crowd in the stadium. So if they could find a date where they could move it to best take advantage of having uh, a great crowd, whether it's in Statesboro or Atlanta, and that includes having a great student crowd, um, then I I would be for that. Um, It's just unfortunate that the last weekend of the season falls on Thanksgiving week, and, you know, students, again, are, are, for the most part, not on campus. Right. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you, Dave. I think I don't know the right answer to it, but I, I don't know that having it at the end of the year on Thanksgiving uh, week is the right answer. But I, I don't, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know what the right answer would be. Hopefully, um, smarter minds can begin to figure that out for the future. Um, Dave, we want to thank you for joining us. You want to let everyone know how they can follow you online and, and, and track your stuff? Sure. If they want to listen to the game, I'm, I'm sure most of your folks will be listening to the Georgia Southern Radio Network in Atlanta. For this one, we're on uh, News and Talk 1380 WAOK and then 88.5 FM WRAS. And anybody that wants to follow us on Twitter, uh, my personal Twitter handle is at GA State Voice, G-A-S-T-A-T-E-B-O-I-C-E. Um, so that's probably the best way to connect and Depending upon if any of your uh, listeners are on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook as well. So it's a social media world that we live in, even for those that are old enough, uh, you know, to be traditional media. You kind of have, a, have to have a, a good blend of both of them, and uh, so that's what we're trying to do. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting to Statesboro on Saturday and uh, seeing how this game goes. And then for both Georgia State and Georgia Southern, we'll see uh, where they end up with regards to a postseason bowl game. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, we're excited. We'll, we want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you uh, in Statesboro on Saturday. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks. you having me. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. 